You're listening to Digital Conversations with Billy Bateman, where we discuss using bots to improve your marketing and sales funnel. All right, everyone. Welcome to Digital Conversations. I am your host, Billy Bateman. Today, I am joined by the original DJ Khaled, Khaled Saleh. How are you doing, man? Hey, doing well, doing well. Glad to be with you. Yeah, glad to, you could join us. Um, should be a really interesting conversation. Going to talk a lot about A-B testing and, and optimizing um, for conversion. One of my favorite topics. Um, but before we get into that, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I started uh, professional life uh, as a software developer. I figured like you, know, you can make some good money in it. It was either a doctor or a software engineer. Uh, I tried actually med school for a semester and I'm like, wow. dead bodies are not my thing. So uh, <laughs> go into, in, into software development and I moved up the ranks up to the point I was a software architect working on large websites. So American Express, Motorola, GoToMeeting. And um, I saw one problem that they've consistently struggled with, which is they've spent millions of dollars on these sites. Yeah. Uh, they get a ton of visitors to, to their sites, but they don't have the conversions. People are simply not converting. So your average e-commerce website converts about 1% of its visitors into actual customers, which is horrendous. For every 10,000 people that come, you get 100 orders. You would hope that you get better. If yep. you compare that to the offline stores, usually about 20, 25% of the people walk in, if not even higher, depends on the type of store, are actually buying an item. Yep. So, uh, I told my wife this 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 makes sense, and she started actually our our agency, uh, and then two years later, uh, I still remember I'm I'm working with a client, and she walks into me, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, working on a problem with a JavaScript." She's like, "Why don't you just quit and join me?" And I'm like, "Really? Join you? I mean, that's what's supposed to be a side business, side hustle. Uh, go figure. Uh, the the rest is history." So we've started the company back in 2006, and. For the first eight months of having the company alive, we're doing conversion optimization. It was not even called conversion optimization. It was simply helping companies increase conversion rates. Eight months yep. into it, the Eisenberg brothers um, called it conversion optimization. And we're like, oh, so that's what you call the thing that we do is conversion optimization. Um, over the years, we've worked with clients, large and small. Um, the, the big clients are really nice because they pay good money <laughs> the, the yeah. small clients are more interesting because they tend to be willing to adventure to, to like you know to, to be more adventurous correct yeah and we're like hey let's let's test this thing and you know, let, let's see how people actually react to this messaging or this design um so you know kind of a, an interesting mix between uh, between the two uh, over the years we've ran 22,000 A-B tests until now, which I think is more than any other uh, company that does conversion optimization world worldwide. So we're very proud of that. And the average was sort of interesting. So the average conversion optimization company has a success rate of about 12%, 12-15%. So for every 100 A-B tests that they run, about 12 of them or 15 of them will actually produce results. Hey, I have a design over here that actually increases conversions. Um, we're averaging close to 60% success rate. Um, so we've we've smashed that number. Um, it also came as a result of a lot of work, a lot of mistakes, a lot of painful mistakes, sleepless nights at times, up to the point where you're like, okay, so I think I've, I've figured this one out and then we can actually increase conversions. So 
Amazing. So let me ask you this. Um, you've run over 60,000 A-B tests. 22,000, 22,000. Uh, 20, 22, I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, so what, what are your like main, you know, anyone who's getting into testing, whether they're going to try to specialize it or they've just been given the responsibility of I own the website as part of being on the marketing team. Um, what are like the three things you would say to anybody getting started? Like, here's what you need to be thinking about when you're creating an A-B test. Sure. So I would start the, the very first element whenever you're doing any type of A-B testing is you want to think about there's endless number of things that you can test on a website. I can test headlines. I can test images. I can test user flow and how people are navigating around my website. But before you and, and people, you know, become trigger happy whenever they discover A-B testing and they probably have read a case study here that says, oh, we've changed this color on a button and now our conversions yeah. increased by 500%. People get excited. They come in and they say, oh, I can change colors on a button. I, I can change an image. I can change a headline. And they test it and they're like, nothing's happening. No more, no, no increase in conversions, no decrease in conversions. This was useless. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, well, let's test maybe a different headline. Try it out. Nothing happens. Let's test different call to action. Nothing happens. Because these are surface. Uh, level solutions, correct? You're trying something very surface and you probably get very surface results. The success for doing conversion optimization starts with quality research. And it's funny because we always talk about research and marketers always talk about research. It's just as yeah. much as like, you know, everybody says customer first. And I tell marketers, I'm like, you hear, we say that so much to the point that it becomes meaningless. Uh, I was uh, dropping my son to school today and like, you know, I have this, I have NPR playing and there's this law office in Chicago where it says like, we put, we put clients first. I'm like, gosh, man, even the law office puts clients first. I don't even know what yeah. that means. They charge you less or what, what does it mean to put clients first? Same thing with research. It gets a bad rap and research has been the same research, by the way, that most marketers do nowadays or salespeople is the same research that was done. 50, 60 years ago, it just asked you, so hey, so why do you buy the product? And when you ask people top of mind questions, you get top of mind answers. Oh, you know, um, this is sort of interesting. Well, let me ask you this, Billy. Why do you brush your teeth every day? Uh, so that my wife will hang out around me. There you go. That's the <laughs> right answer. Most people would say dental hygiene. It's not because of dental hygiene. It has actually like you know, very little to do with dental hygiene. If you want to apply logic to the answers, like, well, that's why people do it. If that was the case because of dental hygiene, then we all would be brushing our teeth probably four or five times a day, especially yeah. if we eat candy. Yet research shows that people don't brush their teeth after they eat a candy bar late at night. Um, people are more likely to brush their teeth if they're about to go out on a date because they don't want to have that stinky breath. Oh yeah, nothing to do with dental hygiene. The, the the top of mind answer is like, oh, you know, I want to keep my teeth healthy. The reality there's a lot more that goes into human actions more than humans would tell you uh, uh, why they take a certain action. So I think increasing conversion rates starts by doing that that type of research, whether it's customer research, so yep. and talking to people. Uh, and, and we spend quite a bit of time talking to actual customers. I think they can, if you know what type of questions um, to ask, 
it can reveal tremendous amounts of insights that you can use. And it might be interesting, like, you know, maybe a little later uh, in, the, in the show that we'll do some, like, you know, live interview. So we'll, we'll yeah. and drill a bit deeper. Um, you want to look at data as well as part of the research. You want to look at your analytics. You want to see, okay, where are people clicking? How are they navigating from one page to the next? What pages are people exiting my site on? Where are people struggling, correct, on, on, on the site? Yeah. That's something else. Uh, there's plenty of solutions out there that heat map solutions that show you actually for a page that has about 1,000 visitors, where are people clicking? You know, what buttons are people clicking? I was just looking at a heat map for our site. So we have our own conversion optimization software. And when you first log in, smack that in the middle of the dashboard. We have four icons, A-B testing, heat maps, session recording, opt-in forms. And I'm thinking like, this occupies 95% of the design. Mm -hmm. And on the side, we have this small navigation that says the same things, A-B testing, heat maps, uh, session recording, polls. Yep. People were ignoring that humo those humongous icons that we have in the middle, and they were clicking on the small icons we have on the side. And I'm sitting with the team. I'm like, so you're telling me people are completely ignoring this like you know, major real estate that we have on the page, and they're clicking on the site navigation. Guess what? Remove those huge icons, and let's figure something out with the design of the dashboard because people are ignoring it, basically. Yeah. People are telling you through their clicks. They're voting with their clicks, correct? They, people vote with money, and they, they vote with their wallets, and they vote with their clicks. Look at the elements that people are interested in. Ask people questions. So we have those pop-ups that appear, correct, on, on the side of the and you see them all the time. So what, why, why are you visiting our site today? People come to our website. My assumption was to hire a conversion optimization company. I'm like, okay, guys, we only have a 2% conversion rate. We got to do something about this. So uh, before we do anything, we're like, let's ask people, why are you coming to our website? And let's see what people say. 95% of our visitors were coming to our site to learn about conversion optimization. They were not there to hire a conversion optimization agency. So I was sitting yeah. with the team and I was telling them like, no matter how much, what do you do, 95% of your visitors are there to learn about conversion optimization. You're not gonna improve conversion rates before, beyond 5% because 95% are not there to, they're there to learn. Yeah. Um, and even more interesting to say is like, hey guys, so if we know that our audience is coming to learn about conversion optimization, what do we need to present them with on the homepage to tell them you're at the right place? We actually have quite a bit of educational material about conversion optimization. That's the kind of research that can really help educate you and to make the right decisions, correct? So as you go through this process, of doing customer research, looking at your data, looking at session replays, looking at analytics, doing uh, doing the uh, the surveys on the website, you end up identifying problems. And you can give me probably a site and we can easily identify 30, 40, 50, sometimes 150 problems on the website. Yep. If you have unlimited time and unlimited budget, have at it, fix them all. Now, as far as I know, most of us are not in that amazing situation. So most no. have like, you know, limited time, limited resources. So what we say is like, hey, let's figure out from those 150 problems, which ones we think will have the most impact on our bottom line. And at the same time, it would require the least amount of efforts in terms of fixing. You know, you might show me a problem. I'm like, oh, great, I can fix it. But it'll take me six months to fix um, you know, and lots of resources. And I'm like, I don't have the time or the energy to do that. Let's find the things that we think will have the most impact. 
and will require the least amount of effort. Those are the ones that I tackle first. So research helps us identify the problems and then all the intellectual exercise to identify the like, which ones will have the most impact on our bottom line. That's the first element to successful A-B testing. The second element to successful A-B testing kind of goes with the first one as well, which is being able to run quality testing. Yeah. Uh, and by quality testing, so I've identified the elements. I say to myself, oh, you know, th there's a problem on the page. And lots of times when people say, well, yeah, I see a problem, but the least effort will be to changing the color of the button. And I'm like, so you really think by changing the color of the button, and this was, by the way, a debate between like, you know, green to red, you actually yeah. think you're going to actually get a lot more sales. And people say, yes. I'm like, really? I'm like, let's, let's take a look at the web. And, and I love to do this. I'm like, take a look at my website. So they navigate around it. And then I close it and I tell them, hey, by the way, what color was my button? They're like, I don't remember. I'm like, yes, most likely you don't remember the color of the button. Guess what? When you're motivated <laughs> enough, you will find that button. Now, don't do something silly like hiding the button or like chasing it like people can't find it. But at the same time, make it very simple, very straightforward. Quality testing means that I need really to think about this, the test and think about the human mind. Yeah. If you're thinking that changing colors will impact, no, but maybe changing the messaging around the website. Um, you know, and then you want to come up, for example, with messaging where your visitor will think to themselves, oh man, it is stupid of me not to buy from this site today. Now, how often does that happen where you see something and you think to yourself, I got to have this today? Lots of times people come in, look at the sites, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's another website, bookmark it. And then they never remember to come back to it. Yeah. Um, how do you change that where somebody sees your website and they're like, oh, I got to have this. I got to contact them. Oh, I got to subscribe. Oh, I got to place an order. Um, there's a big difference in the mindset of a visitor who thinks to themselves, oh, I can buy from this website versus the visitor who thinks to themselves, I must buy from this website. So let me ask you, because I, I think a lot of it comes down to emotion. If you can trigger some type of emotion in people, even if you're selling like a B2B product, um, but being able to trigger emotion, not an easy thing to do, but when done well, it's going to make a world of difference to your sales and your marketing. So what do you see is like the quality things? Like, how do you, how do you get to that site, that, that state where you're like, I got to buy. So I, I completely agree with you, Billy. It's all about figuring out the emotion, correct? Kind of peeling the onion. So the Japanese right. always say, ask the five whys, correct? Why, 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 why? Until you get to the real reason why somebody wants to buy something. A little tough if you're doing a customer interview and you're asking them why, 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 because the person is going to get really annoyed. Yep. I, I like to give the example of buying a drill. Every marketer knows the famous saying by Professor Lovitz, no one buys a quarter-inch drill, everybody buys a quarter-inch hole. Yeah. You know, the benefits of, you know, of, of buying the drill. So we moved to this house in Chicago. We have a whole bunch of arts, art wall, uh, art that we want to hang on the wall, paint yeah. and whatnot. And my wife just is constantly bugging me. And she's like, when are you going to hang it on the wall? When are you gonna... It's like, hey, almost every other weekend. It's like, you know, I'm like, dude, it's freezing outside. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to hang it. Yeah. Actually, I invite my friends over. So I'm like, okay, got to go buy the drill. Um, because begs the question why I don't have a drill. Long story, I don't have a drill. So I go to Home Depot. I buy the drill and like pick the fanciest drill. And I'm walking outside of Home Depot. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, 
okay, so I did buy the drill. I did buy that hole that I'm going to put in the wall to hang the pictures. But the reality of it, I bought two other things. One, I bought the piece at the house where my wife is going to stop nagging me completely. Yep. Uh, and there's no this weekly questioning and inquisition in front of my kids. When are you going to hang your, <laughs> the wall, the art on the wall? And that's priceless. Oh, oh my God, definitely. Something else I bought though. I actually, because my friends were coming over, I really wanted to show uh, all this art that we bought. And I, you know, there was a social element to my to my decision. Yep. There's always a functional aspect to every decision that we make. No, you, you bought the drill, done. But then there's the emotional and the social side of things. I think I was thinking to myself, like, ah, you know, we, me and my wife, because we lived overseas and then we moved over here, so we had one car. And I'm like, ah, this will do. And I've been thinking about buying a car. I start thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well, I can, like, I guess I'm going to go buy a car. And I start thinking, I'm like, ah, a Camry will do, actually. Like, you know, I'm point A to point B. And it's funny because of COVID, our car has been parked there for months. Yeah. You know, rarely do we move it. So I start thinking to myself, like, I look at this, like, you know, kind of the, the functional aspect. I need the car that takes me from point A to point B. Here's the budget. That's what I'm thinking. But then I start thinking, but come on, I'm the CEO of a company. I can't just buy a Camry. I've been like working really hard. I must buy my, like, you know, myself something a little bit nicer. You know? So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to go with an SUV. I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who loves SUV. So I'm like, okay, I need yeah. an SUV. And then I start thinking, I'm like, well, SUV, always, oh, like, since college days, like, you know, every time you buy a car, it's an SUV. And the Camry, no, it's out of question. If I'm looking at functionality, it would have been a Camry. SUV, I'm like, no. And we already have, like, you know, another SUV. So I'm like, I need something to show off in front of my peers. I'm like, okay, Alexis, I need to get me a Lexus. Watch, you know, that emotional element, correct? And the, the mindset from purely functional. And in all honesty, if I wanted just something purely functional, you know, Central would have done, not, not to offend anybody who drives a Central, but that's yeah. the functionality, but then there's other considerations. And it's funny because people always, whenever you start buying about, thinking about buying something, you put a criteria in your mind. And it's all based on functionality. But when you make a decision, correct, that criteria, almost most of it goes out of the door. And it's the, 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 the emotional side of things, correct? That's For sure. Cool. And that changes you. And that doesn't matter whether it's B2B or B2C. Um, there's always an emotional side. Drilling a bit deeper and being able to collect those emotions and using them in the sales process and the marketing material makes a huge difference in your ability to convert somebody. I agree. I agree. There you go. Um, oh, hey, man. So let me uh, let me ask you this. So we started out talking a lot about customer research and really throughout the whole thing, it's like, how do you understand your customers? and why they made the, that decision to, to sign up so that you can help more people make that decision. Exactly. Uh, when you're doing customer research, you, you shared with me that you've got a great exercise you like to go through. Yes. I think it would be awesome to go through that and uh, we can learn, you know, how do, how do you do it? Awesome. So you bought something recently? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I recently bought a rooftop tent that goes on top of my Forerunner. Oh, um, nice. So when we go, when we go camping... My wife didn't grow up camping. I grew up, I actually spent seven summers in high school and college living in a tent and working in the outdoors. Um, but uh, she doesn't like to sleep on the ground. Um, and I don't like setting up tents that much either. This is easy. It's like five minutes, you know, like the whole thing's set up and she's happy. 
Awesome. Let's do an interview. When did you buy it, this rooftop? I bought it last fall. Okay, last fall. So usually, by the way, whenever we're doing interviews, we, we ask a couple of things. One, we want to talk to customers who bought within the last, we say, a month to six months. So that's okay. number one. Yeah. Um, if somebody had bought something over a year, they forgot the emotions. You can still bring back the emotions, but it's a bit a bit harder. Yeah. Um, that's number one. We want to make sure that they bought the item themselves. They didn't receive it as a gift because if you received the item as a gift, well, you know, you're not as invested. And yeah. usually the items that are really good to do interviews for are items where you spend more than $50, which I assume you did. Yeah, yeah, I did. There you go. There you go. So here's how I would start an interview. Let's say, like, you know, the manufacturer or e commerce website that sells those rooftop tents hired us yeah. uh, and they selected you for the interview hey billy thank you for doing the inter for agreeing to do the interview let me give you a little bit of background so we are going to be conducting a much larger research project about how people buy roof tents and uh, due to covid this project is probably going to happen sometime either later this year or next year until then, we decided to talk to customers who have purchased the rooftop tents and actually just hear your story. Um, there are no right or wrong answers. It's your story yeah. that you're going through. The best example that I can give, think of me shooting a documentary. You're the star of that documentary. I'm the director. At some moments, we will have the cameraman standing behind my shoulder, zooming in on your face, just like how you see it in documentaries, asking you some silly questions. It's a bit different, but it should be, it should be interesting. How does that sound? Sounds good. Excellent. So when did you buy that uh, roof tent? So we got it last September. You got it last September. Perfect. So what was going on that day? Where, where did you buy it from, by the way? Like, uh, yeah, so we actually bought a used one. Um, just went online, found somebody selling them used. We were trying to get a new one, but, uh, you know, due to COVID, finding a new one is tough. Okay. Um, uh, I, I like that. So, what, 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 what was the motivation behind? Like, you know, why did you think that day? Like, you know, what I'm going to go ahead and and buy me the the scent. Kind of walk walk me through that. What were you thinking? Yeah. So it was probably about a month leading up to it. Um, I'd actually been interested in buying one back when I was in grad school because uh -huh. it, when I first started grad school, um, I did not have a place to live. I was living out of my forerunner. Wow. For about a month until I found a place to live. And uh, at the time, uh, my wife, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, was like, hey, she found these. She's like, you should get one of these, you know, it'd be more comfortable. Um, but I was like, no, I got to spend all this money on tuition. I can't afford 1200 bucks for, for a, a tent um, yeah. right now because I'm going to get a place to live. Like, it's not a long-term solution. I can't spend the winter in Boise living in a tent. Um <laughs> And then kind of forgot about it for a couple of years. And uh, my wife and I, we do a lot of camping, um, although we weren't doing as much as I wanted to because she doesn't like sleeping on the ground. Okay. Um, and so then I was reminded of, oh, we got these rooftop tents. I saw somebody driving around that had one. And I was like, okay, let's look at it and see if uh, maybe I can find something within a, you know, a thousand bucks or less. So you said $1,000, you're seeing yep. somebody. Okay, I like that. Yeah, and then we just started looking around and watching YouTube videos um, of, uh, you know, the different models, um, seeing what would fit on my Forerunner. Um, tried to find videos of other people that had the same 
tent on the similar four model, forerunner model that I had and uh, found a couple of videos actually with the one we ended up buying um, with people with the same car and okay. talking about how, hey, this one will work. This is what we like. This is what we don't like. Um, the things they didn't like weren't a huge deal, but I actually disliked the same things now after using the tent a few times. Um, but yeah, you know, and then we couldn't find one new um, that wasn't, it, they were just, I felt like a price gouging. Um, yeah, of course, know. everybody's suffering through that. Yeah, yeah, it was like, this thing was 900 bucks the beginning of the year, and now people want... 1400 bucks for it. I was like, okay, we'll look around. We found one used for 750, I believe was what we ended up paying. Um, it's like a couple years old, but no problems with it. And so one, me, one just called them up and got it. L let me ask you this question. So you're thinking about using it because you go, you guys go camping. Uh, how yeah. often do you guys go camping? Talk to me about that. In the summer, uh, twice a month, at least on the weekend. Twice a month. Yeah. And who's more into camping, you or your wife? Oh, me, for sure. You. Um, when was last time you guys, before buying this rooftop tent, when when was the last time you guys, like, you know, how far before then that you guys had gone camping? Um, probably, probably a month before we bought it, we'd gone and done, like, a legit camp out where we set up a tent. Okay. Um, so it was you and your wife, anybody else, or just the two of you? Uh, no, my brother and his wife came as well. Nice, nice. Documentary style. We're gonna zoom in, you know, a month before. So we're talking about the August time frame, something like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a weekend, I'm assuming. Yeah, just quick. You know, went down, camped out Friday and Saturday nights. Okay. Do you recall? Like, you know, let's talk about like, you know, when, how, how far in advance do you guys usually plan those, uh, those camping? It all depends. Sometimes we'll plan a month in advance, and other times, like. We'll just be like talking Wednesday or Thursday and like, hey, we don't have anything for the weekend. Let's, you know, let's go down to Boulder and camp or, or go right. up here, you know. So. so for this particular camping trip, the, the last one, uh, yeah. do you recall who initiated that conversation, you or your brother? I think my brother did. Yeah, Jacob, him and his wife were already planning to go and they just called. He called me and was like, hey, Melody and I are going. You guys okay. want to come? Awesome. And do you recall if how many days in advance he called you? Oh, three or four. It was he like Tuesday. Tuesday. He calls you a Tuesday morning or, or night. Do you recall? Uh, probably Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. Where are you at home? I'm assuming or you're at work or tell me. I think I was on the way to work. You're on the way to work. Well, calls you. He calls you up and let's you're on your, so you're in your car, maybe like, you know, going to work yeah okay so you're on your way uh jacob calls you hey where, and where was he planning to go by the way like we went down to it's uh boulder utah little okay. place uh middle of nowhere middle of nowhere have you been there before yeah we go all the time okay calls you we're gonna do this and did you tell him yes or do you usually check with your wife by the way uh, I usually check with my wife at this point. <laughs> <laughs> wise man, wise man. You know, we eventually learn, you know. Uh, so, okay. So you're going to, what do you tell him? Like, you know, when he tells you, hey, we're going down. Yeah. I was like, dude, as long as Chelsea doesn't have something planned that I don't know about, we're in. Okay. Awesome. Um, walk me again, documentary style. When do you call your wife? 
Uh, I think I probably texted her. Oh, okay. So you opted for the text route, okay? Yeah, I probably. Well, she she works as well, and she oh. gets to the office a little for, before me. But yeah, texted her and just said, "Hey, they're going down. You want to go?" Um, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm. We'll go." Awesome, awesome. So this is Tuesday. Uh, when do you guys head down? Uh, Friday after work. Just Friday after work. You know. Now, you said that she's like you know like your wife Chelsea, correct? Yep. Okay. She likes to sleep on the ground. She does not like to sleep oh, she, on the ground. She does not like to sleep on the ground. Okay. Yep. So you must have been aware of that because you've gone camping before. Yep. What, are you, what are you thinking as you're heading down there? How, how long is the drive, by the way? It's a two and a half hour drive. Um, yeah, not too bad. Uh, you know, I've, we got a bunch of, you know, the inflatable pads and I have some foam pads. So, you know, we brought all that stuff. Um, oh. so like, she's all right. She's, I think it's the bugs that bug her more than anything. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about like, you know, that Friday night, finally you're settled. You, you get there. Uh, what were you guys sleeping on by the way, at that point, is that like, you know, the inflatable? Yeah, yeah, we were sleeping on. We each have an inflatable pad, you know. Okay. Just in the in a little tent. In a little tent, and um, you're okay with it. You've done it. Yeah. Several times. Did she complain about it? Uh, no, she she doesn't complain really. Uh, on the way back, she did let me know, like, man, I I love to camp, but uh, I would we had camped next to the people that had you know a nice camper trailer. Uh, and she's like, that would be really nice. And I'm just like, I do not want to buy a camper trailer. <laughs> as much as I do, I don't. <laughs> it's a whole lifestyle commitment. Oh, definitely. So that, she's telling, hey, I love it, but you got to gotta make some upgrades. Uh, nicely, yes. <laughs> a nice way. So she suggests that. Um, and then at some point you said, like, you know, you, you saw somebody with that. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, I did just driving around town the next week. Okay, uh, talk to me about that. Uh, what day was it, by the way? Was it just like you know, just a regular work day or weekend? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. I think it was just during the week. Um, okay. Driving. Was she with you in the car? Uh, I don't think so. I think okay. it was just me heading to work and uh, saw somebody coming the other way that uh, that had one, and I was like, okay, that's a that's a cheaper option than uh, getting a camper. Okay, and. Uh, do you tell your wife about it at that point, or you go research? I think uh, when I went home, I did tell her about it, okay. uh, and so then we started, you know, to see what she would think. And then she was like, "Yeah, I think it would be fun." Okay. Um, and we started both researching at that point. Okay. Now you're researching online. Are you like, you know, tell tell me what as you're doing this research? Like, you know, it sounds like YouTube, Google. What, what are you doing to research? Yeah, YouTube and Google for the most part. Um, I tried to think if any I knew any of my friends that had one of these, and and none of them, none of even a few people I called them like I think Adam might have one didn't, um, but uh, asked them if they'd stayed in some, and a few of them had slept in them. Not you know they didn't own one, but they'd slept in one, and they gave me their feedback on it. And uh, how was it? What did they tell you? You know they they all liked it. Um, they they did have some feedback along the lines of. You know the the mattresses that come in those things are not always as comfortable as you think they're going to be so having a pad or just making sure the mattress is really thick um is is something you should definitely look at you know okay, um, okay. 
but they all they all liked it. The only complaint other than that was uh, something that I became acquainted with really quickly is if it's really windy and you're up high, you hear that wind on your tent. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I can I can imagine I can imagine. So you've done the research. It's so all like okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Yeah. Um, did you was what what budget did you set for yourself at that point? About a thousand bucks. We were like, let's try to keep it under a thousand dollars. Do you have did you have any point of reference to set that thousand or no? Yeah, we we looked at pricing on a few and um, and just kind of figured okay. It's not the cheapest, but we're not ready to spend more than that for okay. something that we're not convinced we're gonna like. Okay, okay. So a thousand, and we're gonna try it out and and see. Now you're looking for a new one, and what yep. kind of prices did you start seeing? Uh, the prices were mostly over a thousand on the new ones. Okay. Um, even for ones that I'd known from just you know seeing seeing prices in the past. Were typically less than that and then watching youtube videos that were a year or two old and they're like yep i bought this for this price i'm like oh that's a good price yeah i go to, go to try to find it at that price i'm like yeah that price uh is not being offered anymore yeah yeah uh, go, go figure everybody wants to buy them and yep. they're, they're, they're trying to make okay so who suggested the the, the used option by the way uh i think my wife did i don't remember exactly but uh, she said, let's check KSL, which is like the local version of Craigslist. Okay. Um, and we started looking and uh, there's not a lot on there, but there were a few. And so I would just check it every day and, and see what was up. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Let's stop the interview over here because we can yeah. continue, by the way, and drill. Notice how I didn't ask you a lot about your experience post using the item, correct? We're yeah, trying to yeah, yeah. go a bit deeper. Notice how, and this is sort of very, very interesting because the idea first came to you in grad school, but you didn't entertain it. But it's still kind of the seed there in the back of your yeah. head. The driver for you is you. there's an activity that you enjoy, but your wife is with you during the activity, correct? All the time, yep. Exactly. And guess what? She lets you know, it's like, hey, instead of telling you I'm not going to do it, that like you know, camper is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if you want to do this anymore, honey. You know, we gotta upgrade. We gotta have a major upgrade. Um, and notice how like you know, the minute you saw something else triggered right away, it's like, oh, this is a much better option. If I'm running marketing, these are things that I would play, like, you know, with correct the message about like you know, the yeah. wife, the happy wife, or the happy partner. I would play a lot with the messaging around like because you don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars to enjoy your camping trip, correct? And I'll put, yeah. you know, play with something with the image of the camper that's going to cost and, you know, play more on the benefits of, of the item. If I'm running that classified ads, you know, site, you know it's correct, but let's say you're running the marketing for it. What's the messaging going to be? You know, you come to our yeah. site because of all the price gouging. Yeah. Lots of times, if you think about all these different things, think about like, you know, even the, 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 the rooftop tent that, that you bought. Most likely, if you see it, it's just kind of the features, correct? Here's the specs, here's the size, nothing yeah. emotional, nothing about the partner sure. upset, nothing about the comfort of the camping trip, nothing about like you know the fact that you'll enjoy your camping trip without having to spend thousands of dollars. So here's the size, here's the material. That and then notice how again we were going back and we're doing that. We did this, I think, in about 10, 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. It, we spent 45 minutes going through each one of those. Now 
Something else that we did, Billy, is the documentary style. And the reason for the documentary style, and I was asking you what day was it and how it was, because, and then if we had drilled a bit deeper, it's about bringing you back to that emotional state that you were in. Okay. How you felt, how your brother called yeah. you. Oh, I yeah, texted yeah. my wife. Oh, I got something back from her. Does she complain? No, like, you know, but on the way back, again, it's about bringing you back to that emotional state. Yeah. And as you do those interviews, you will see when somebody, like, you know, something clicked in their head and it's like they're back into that emotion. Correct. And it's like, you know, now they're speaking more emotionally as opposed to like, you know, very logical. Well, yeah, we need just something to cover, you know, to cover ourselves or feel, feel more comfortable. That's the style. You know, of customer research and notice, like you know, just from spending twelve minutes, we figured out different messaging for that product a lot better. I'm almost sure than what they use on on the site, yeah. you know, and their marketing material. Yeah, I love it, man. This is this has been really good. Um, I think it was great. You brought me right back to the moment, even though it was a few months ago. I was like, okay, I remember this whole kind of journey. Um, and you know, if anyone can have that information before the now, this is why I bought, uh, dude, that's, that's gold. If you're the marketing team, you know, if you're like, okay. Yeah. And it's not just this guy. We heard similar things from Carrie. We heard similar things from Jenny. They, they this, these are the, the things we're seeing for why people actually buy our products. Exactly. So usually what we do, and it's sort of interesting, you bring up a really interesting point. So we'll do about five to seven of those of those interviews. Yeah. And you start seeing trends. People don't buy something because they're a 40 year old male sitting you know somewhere people yeah. buy because there is a certain emotion so you'll find that there are some people who are buying because of their wife by the way that's the job yeah. find the wife somebody else is buying it because he has some friends and he wants to show off somebody you start almost categorizing them that there is like you know something specific a job that you're hiring this product to yep. do uh, you're like oh now we've, we've heard the same story um, let me let me mention this story, which is funny. We, we work with a client that sells dance lessons, and he always thought that he sells dance lessons. You know, so you go to YouTube and you download those dance lessons. So we start interviewing people, and we talk to a pastor who had bought the dance lessons, and he tells us, "You don't sell dance lessons." I'm like, "We don't." He's like, "No." He's like, "What do you sell is marriage therapy." I almost got a divorce from my wife until I bought the dance lessons and we started practicing dancing together. And he's like, as a matter of fact, it was so powerful that his last Sunday, the, the sermon that he gave on Sunday in the church was about the dance lessons and about that dance lesson program. I'm like, really? He's like, not only really, I actually recorded it. And he sends, it the, sends us wow. the recording. I'm like, wow. Okay, So we're selling something else. There's that emotional benefit drilling a bit deeper and then actually having listened to the customer, allowing them the space to be able to say, actually, we're having problems with the marriage. <laughs> Things were stagnant and it changed our life. I'm like, okay, we sell something different. So sell the benefits, sell, sell the emotions. Because you know, people make decisions based on emotions and they justify with their mind, with logic. Yep. I love it, man. I love it. This has been, this has been enlightening. Uh, thank you so much. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to you wanna talk about? Uh, I think I think we've covered quite a bit. I'm yeah. active on LinkedIn. I hang out at LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to connect, um, you know, just uh, hit me up. And I hope that everyone found it uh, useful. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, and we'll chat later. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And for past episodes, go to chatfunnels.com/podcast.